I do want to say welcome to any of you guys uh, that are joining us for the very first time, whether you saw us online, saw a street sign, maybe got invited by a friend, family member, whatever the case. Uh, Truly, we are honored to have you with us today. Um, But as Pastor Aaron said, my name is Josiah Weiss, and I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here at Trace. And for the last several years, I've been doing student ministry. uh, But coming in December, I'm going to be transitioning into a new role. uh, That starting in December, I'll be our new discipleship pastor, and I'm pumped about that. I'm really excited uh, to help you guys take your next steps in faith, whatever that looks like for each and every single one of you. And last week, uh, Pastor Aaron, he started this new message series called Disciple Shift. And I've been working all week to make sure I enunciate that uh, properly, because that's not one you can get wrong. Um, but the, the vision behind this series, it really is pretty simple, uh, that all throughout church and all sorts of faith contexts, there's been discussions about this word discipleship and what it means. And for those of you that grew up in church uh, like I did, you know that all kinds of different denominations and different churches dis- describe and define that word discipleship differently. That some, some people say, hey, discipleship, it only happens in mentorship, right? Or some others say, no, uh, it's all about how much time you spend in God's word in your own personal life. And then others still say, no, it actually has nothing to do with any of us at all. That, that discipleship is the work uh, of the Holy Spirit. But here at Trace, we wanna be very clear and abundantly clear about what we think this word means and why we think it should be important for us as a church. Um, that regardless of who you are, anybody in this room, anybody watching online today, all of us, we all have influence. And because we all have influence, that gives all of us leadership, that we are all leaders, whether you see that way, yourself that way or not, uh, because we all have influence. And when we look at the life of Jesus and the way that he interacted with some of his disciples, uh, especially the 12 disciples, that he was training them and teaching them how to use their influence to help lead people to the kingdom of God. And that's what we would say discipleship is that it's leadership development in the context uh, of faith, that while the world uses their leadership, while they use their influence uh, to, to push people to their, their own benefit, to uh, back to itself, back to the world, back to uh, its own kingdom, as followers of Jesus, we wanna use our influence, our leadership to lead people in the direction of Jesus. And that's what we're all about here. And that, that's a huge passion of mine, helping you grow your own leadership, especially in the context of faith. That's a huge passion of mine, but it's also a very large passion of this church. And that's why last week, Pastor Aaron, he unveiled this 10-step discipleship process that we're calling a faith development track. And these are the 10 steps right here, if you missed it last week, uh, but these 10 steps are becoming a trace luncheon, saying yes to Jesus, baptism, rooted, give to the mission, get in a group, serve on a team, faith development courses, go mission trip, and then the plus, having a plus one, having somebody that you're investing in uh, for yourself. And over the course of this series, our goal is to hit on one or two of these every single week so that you understand why we chose them, but you also know why they're important to any believer's life, especially if you call Trace home. And so last week, Pastor Aaron, he talked about this plus one step at the very bottom, but today we're gonna be talking about baptism. And so I'm gonna go ahead and pray and then we'll dive in this morning. God, thank you for this church. God, thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for the fact that, uh, God, we've baptized over 450 people here at this church and people are coming to know you here. But Lord, we don't just wanna get 
get to know you once. We don't just want to make that decision once, but instead, Lord, we want to continue to grow uh, to know you so that we can show you to the rest of the world. And so, God, I pray today as we talk about baptism uh, that you would just lead me, that you would guide my words, uh, help me to say what you want me to say, and then not say what you don't want me to say. God, we love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So I got baptized uh, when I was nine years old. Uh, And while that was like almost 20 years ago, there's not a whole lot I remember about it, but I do know there's things that I'll never forget about my baptism. Uh, For instance, uh, I'll never forget the day I got baptized. It was July 3rd, 2005. And the reason I remember that day is because as a classic middle child, uh, whenever my parents asked me, hey, what day do you wanna get baptized? Naturally, I picked a day uh, that meant something to someone else already, and I tried to make it about myself. And so I got baptized on my oldest brother's birthday because I was like, hey, baptism is better than your birth, right? But uh, I also remember other things. I remember, you know, what I was wearing that day. I was wearing black athletic shorts, a white shirt. I remember the church I got baptized in. It was Sunnybrook Christian Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, I remember my dad, he held me under a little longer than normal uh, to get all the sin out, uh, is what he said. Uh, He tried to drown me. Um, But at the same time, what I remember more than anything else, even after all these years, is I remember why I got baptized. That for me, while it started as I looked around the room and realized like I didn't get to eat the snacks, uh, the the little crackers and juice communion uh, that everybody else got to eat because I wasn't baptized. That's where it started. Ultimately, the reason I decided to get baptized was because uh, I wanted everyone around me to know that I wanted to make Jesus the leader and Lord of my life. And while that decision is even more true for me today than it was back then, I've learned over the years that while people's baptism stories and while their decision to get baptized, it often starts in different places. Like for some of you that have been baptized, maybe it started at like a church camp, like a youth camp. Uh, For others of you, you made that decision in a room like this one. Some of you, it happened in kids' church over uh, talking to a Sunday school leader, or maybe for you, it was also in a living room. Maybe it was a conversation in a living room. And while that decision, it starts in different places for everybody, ultimately, everybody makes that decision for the same reason. That that people want to show everybody that they know that that they've made the decision, they've made this declaration to follow Jesus. Yet even though that's true, and that's the same for everybody for the most part, baptism is a topic that has caused a lot of confusion, both inside and outside the church. Like, think about this for a second. Right now, at this moment, there are millions of people, millions of people that do not follow Jesus, yet have been baptized. But then at the same time, there are also millions of people that do follow Jesus that have not been baptized. That both inside and outside the church, baptism has been a topic of debate for hundreds of years. Uh, that different denominations claim different meanings, claim different uh, models of how baptism is done. And while it'd be arrogant of me today to stand on the stage and say, hey, uh, I'm gonna give you certainty amidst all this confusion, uh, I can't do that. But the next best thing I can do for you is give you clarity and give you clarity about what baptism is and why it should be important. And so to do that today, all I wanna do is I wanna give you a four-pronged definition of baptism 
and then talk about what baptism is so that we can uh, have a little bit more clarity amidst the confusing topic. So if you're the note-taking type, I would encourage you to write this down. This is where we're gonna be the rest of our time today. So what is baptism? Baptism is an act of obedience by immersion for believers as a symbol. Okay, I'm gonna say it again. Baptism is an act of obedience by immersion for believers as a symbol. And so with the rest of our time today, I just wanna look at these four areas and help us get a better grasp of what baptism is. And so starting with that first one, which baptism is an act of obedience. So in Matthew chapter three, verse 13, it says this. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. So at this point in Jesus's life, he hasn't started his ministry yet. Uh, he's roughly 30 years old. He's done like a handful of miracles here and there. Um, but by and large, he hasn't gained a huge following yet. But on the other hand, his cousin, John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, he's literally been baptizing like hundreds of people down at the Jordan River every single day. Uh, he has gained a huge following and he's doing everything that he possibly can to prepare the way for the Messiah, the coming Messiah, namely his cousin, Jesus. And, and so naturally when Jesus comes to John and he says, look, hey, I want you to baptize me. John, he's a little bit skeptical of Jesus. And so he says this to them. It says, John tried to talk him out of it. He says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said to him, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires, and we'll come back to that. So John agreed to baptize him. And that's what happened. That Jesus, he gets baptized by John. And there's this beautiful moment where the sky opens up and God looks at his son and he says, this is my son with whom I, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus gets baptized and he carries on his ministry. He starts his ministry. Why are we talking about this? Because in order for us to understand why baptism matters to us as believers, we have to first be able to effectively answer this question right here. Why did Jesus, the Son of God, why did Jesus feel the need to get baptized? Why did Jesus get baptized? That Paul, he talks about John's baptism and the reason for John's baptism in Acts 19. He says, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. So why did Jesus get baptized? Jesus had no sin. Jesus had no need for repentance. Jesus was the guy that everybody else was supposed to believe in after they got baptized or before they got baptized. So why did he decide to get baptized? And different pastors, they'll, they'll answer this question a little differently. Some pastors will say things like, oh, Jesus got baptized because he wanted uh, to relate to his future church. He wanted to relate to us in baptism. Some will say that, no, Jesus got baptized because we needed a, a physical, visual representation of how baptism is done and why we should do baptism. Some others will say, no, it's because uh, God wanted to make sure that Jesus fulfilled his mission, fulfilled his purpose here on this earth, and that moment that God had with Jesus was because of his baptism. And while there's a little bit of truth in all of those things, what I would tell you is that when we look at Jesus's own words, uh, I think that gives us the best insight of why he got baptized. Because when John questions him, this is what he says. He says, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. Other translations say it is fitting. Some even say it is necessary in order to fulfill all righteousness, that Jesus not only felt compelled to get baptized, he felt convicted. And by the context of this verse, I would tell you, maybe even commanded by God to do so. 
That, that for Jesus, baptism was nothing short of an act of obedience for him. To ignore that would be disobedience. And what I would tell you this morning is this, that if Jesus, the son of God, the creator of the world, God himself, if he felt that way about his own baptism, guys, how much more? How much more should we uh, feel the desire to act out of obedience in our own baptisms and the things that we have been called to? That, that Jesus, some of his last words to his church, to his disciples, uh, were about them getting baptized and baptizing others. In Matthew chapter 28, uh, we call it the Great Commission. He says this, therefore, and go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples, that's discipleship, to obey all the commands I have given you. That's obedience. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, that Jesus, his ministry, it began with his own act of obedience through his baptism, and it ended with a call to act on our obedience with our baptism. Now, guys, you have to understand, first and foremost, that baptism, it's an act of obedience. That's the first thing, right? But the second thing is this, that baptism is done by immersion. And if you don't know what that word means, it just means uh, dunking somebody completely under the water, submerging somebody underwater. And I know that immediately as I say that, for some of you in this room, some walls just went up. Uh, that you heard that and that whether it's because you grew up in a different tradition or a different denomination uh, than Trace that taught something else. Maybe you yourself uh, were sprinkled as a kid or maybe you have no idea what the heck I'm talking about and you don't know what the word immersion means. Uh, whatever the case, Guys, I never want to be the guy that stands on this stage and bashes other churches, bashes other pastors. Uh, but at the same time, I want to be abundantly clear that here at Trace, this would be an area that we would disagree heavily with other denominations on. Uh, that this, how baptism is done, this would be an area that we disagree with them about. That I want to be abundantly clear about what we believe. And that is that whenever the Bible talks about baptism or baptizing someone, we would say it is always in reference to somebody being immersed fully under water. And I wanna give you two of the biggest reasons why we think that is. Uh, the first one is the model, the model that we see in the New Testament. That oftentimes throughout the New Testament, you'll see these different descriptions or these stories of people getting baptized that would lead us to believe that they were immersing people, they were dunking people under the water. For instance, even in Jesus's baptism, as soon as he's baptized, it says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, which means he was down in the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighted on him. Or you can look at Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter eight, that after Philip, he preaches the gospel to this man. Uh, they see some water and it says, uh, the man says this, he says, look, here is some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? I love his uh, immediate response of obedience right here. And so he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. They went down in the water. Or even the account of John the baptizer, he's baptizing hundreds of people and they tell us where he was doing this. It says, at this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salem. Why? Because there was plenty of water there. Why did there need to be plenty of water there? Because he's dunking them under the water and people kept coming to him for baptism. The guys, from all of these examples, it's abundantly clear that these examples point to the fact that the Bible, when the Bible speaks of baptism, it's speaking about immersion. That's the first thing is the model that we see in the New Testament. But the second reason we believe this is true 
is the meaning of the original Greek words for baptism. So for those of you that are new to church, or maybe you're new to faith, or maybe you're new to reading uh, the Bible, one thing you need to know is that the Bible wasn't originally written in English, uh, that the Bible is actually uh, a collection of 66 different writings uh, spanning thousands of years, spanning dozens of authors with several different genres, but it was originally written in three specific languages. That originally the Bible was written in Hebrew, ancient Greek, and a language called Aramaic, Aramaic with the vast majority of the New Testament being written in ancient Greek. And that's why every now and again, you'll see all these different translations of scripture. It's also why every now and again, you'll hear somebody like me uh, referencing, uh, you know, the original Greek or the original Hebrew words, because while translators did the best that they could uh, in those moments, Oftentimes, when they're translating from Hebrew or Greek uh, to English, often there's not an English word or phrase that completely captures the meaning that the original writers had. And what I would tell you is that baptism is one of those words. That, that in scripture, there's two words for baptism that we see. The first one is bapto. Everybody say bapto. Good. And uh, bapto means to dip or submerge. Okay. This was commonly used uh, when like a merchant would take a piece of cloth or garment and they would dip it into dye to completely change the color. They would completely submerge it in the dye. That's bapto. The second word is baptizo. Everybody say baptizo. Good. Uh, that word means to immerse or to submerge. And it was commonly used to describe dunking something into water, but it was also used, uh, this is kind of an interesting meaning of this word, it was also used uh, whenever somebody would take a sword and they would plunge it into somebody else's body all the way up to the hilt, uh, that they didn't just poke somebody or like tap them with the sword, that they immersed them, they baptized them with uh, the sword. And so that's what that word baptizo means. But there's a third Greek word uh, that often gets left out of this conversation, and it's the word rantizo, or rantizomai. And this word means to sprinkle, to splash, or to flick water on something or someone. And what I need you to know is that every single time that baptism appears in Scripture, not a single time is the word rantizo or rantizomai ever used. That every single time that you see the word baptism or to baptize in your, in your Bible, it is the word bapto or baptizo. And so rather than translating this word to submerge or to immerse, the ancient translators instead, they transliterated this word, meaning they created a new word in the English language, which is baptize or baptism. And by doing so, they've created a lot of confusion. That guys, while baptism is an act of obedience, that from the model we see in the New Testament and the meaning of the original words, it's very clear, very clear, that baptism is done by immersion, okay? That's the second thing. The third thing about baptism that I need you to know, so baptism is an act of obedience by immersion, but the third thing is that baptism is for believers, for believers. Believers. So a couple months ago, uh, the Sunday school teacher, she was teaching in kids' church, and she had uh, her students write letters to God uh, in her class. And I wanted to share a couple of them with you because I think they're pretty funny. So uh, the first one is this. It's from Dennis. It says, my grandpa says you were around when he was a little boy. Just how far back do you go, right? It's good. The next one says, I bet it's very hard for you to love everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in my family, and I could never do it. And it's like, I get that. I feel that, right? 
The next one says, dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It worked for my brother, Larry. It's like, thanks for the advice. Uh, the next one is from Joyce. It says, thank you for the baby brother, but what I asked for was a puppy, <laughs> Joyce. And you can just hear the disappointment. Like, I think she probably just realized she was a middle child right there. But my favorite one, my favorite one comes from Herbie. It says this, dear God, count me in. Your friend, Herbie. You see, Herbie gets it. Guys, that's what baptism is. It is letting everyone else in the world around you know that you want to be counted in, that you wanna be a part of God's family, you wanna be a part of God's kingdom. That when we look throughout the New Testament, we see this very clear pattern when it comes to baptism. It goes like this. People hear about the gospel, then people believe the gospel, and then people are baptized into the gospel. That, that whether it's Jesus' command in Mark chapter 16, which says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Or, or Philip, when he's preaching in Samaria, it says this, but now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, because of that belief, many men and women were baptized. Or in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas, they escape uh, from the, the jail and Philippi miraculously, the Philippian jailer, he comes to both of them and he says this, he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they respond and they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and all your household, we're gonna come back to these verses. But then immediately he and all his household were what? They were baptized. They were baptized, belief and baptism. Or when Paul goes to Corinth in Acts chapter 18, it says Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household, they believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul, they believed and were baptized. And I could go on and on and on that every story is like this. People hear, people believe, people are baptized. And scripture's very clear about this, that belief, it's a prerequisite to baptism. Why does this matter? Why are we talking about this? Because I know for many of you in this room, you grew up in a different denomination or you grew up in a kind of church that taught something called infant baptism. That maybe you yourselves, you were sprinkled as a baby that whether you grew up uh, Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic, Episcopalian, Orthodox, maybe even Presbyterian, my guess is that this was a part of your upbringing. And before I go any further, uh, I need to say this, that if you were sprinkled as a baby, that, that if you had parents that loved you so much and wanted to be so intentional about their faith, that if you had people in your life that wanted you to love and follow Jesus as much as, you, as they did, that if you had people that believed with everything in them that you were going to grow up and profess the same faith that they did. Guys, if you had people like that in your life, you need to know how special that is. You need to know how much of a gift that is. As somebody that works with students every single day, not everybody gets that. That the last thing I wanna do this morning is take away from the intentionality of your parents or to diminish the impact or the influence that they had on your life. But while that moment for you as a baby was incredibly special to your family, guys, we also need to address the fact that that was your parents' decision, not yours. That was your parents' belief, not yours. That while sprinkling infants can be an incredible moment to express the intentionality of parents, I need to be clear this morning, it is not baptism. And it is not the kind of baptism that we see in the New Testament. 
And while I know for some of you in this room, guys, that hits really hard because you had this moment as a kid. You had this moment with your family. You didn't grow up believing that. I need you to know the number one reason why we don't practice that here at Trace or why we don't teach that here at Trace or why we don't believe in infant baptism is because we don't see it anywhere in scripture. That there's not a single verse, there's not a single story, there's not a single example of infants getting baptized anywhere in the Bible. That, That one of the great Lutheran theologians, his name was Frederick Schleimacher, who practiced infant baptism, he said this, like he practiced this in his church, he said, all traces of infant baptism which one has asserted to be found in the New Testament must first be inserted there. That it's not in the Bible. You you just won't find it. However, some people would argue that there are different verses where uh, people talk about entire households uh, coming to know Jesus, entire households believing and being baptized. We just read some of those, if you remember. And if those households are being baptized, then sometimes that could include infants or babies. However, as we already looked at, guys, there's a pattern, right? That people hear, people believe, and people are baptized. And that's not only true of individuals who get baptized, that's also true of households, that households are here, households believe, and then households are baptized. That there is not a single explicit mention of babies or infants in any of those passages, but there is explicit mention of belief, meaning that people are baptized following their own beliefs, not the beliefs of other people in their households or other people in their families that the primary reason we don't believe sprinkling infants is baptism is because babies do not yet have the ability or the capacity to believe the gospel yet. This is the very same reason why every single kid that wants to get baptized here at Trace, they have to have a conversation with myself or my wife who's the kids director here at Trace because we want to hear from them what they believe. We want to hear from them what they are professing in their faith. That baptism is an act of obedience. It is done by immersion, but it is not just for anyone. Guys, it is for those that believe that the sprinkling of infants is a beautiful representation. Beautiful representation of the intentionality of parents. It is not a confession of faith for that child. And so that's the third thing is that baptism is for believers. But the final thing I wanna talk to you about is that baptism is an act of obedience by immersion for believers. But the last thing is this, that it's as a symbol. It is is as a symbol of representing, you know, going from death to life with Christ. And it is this beautiful picture, this beautiful gift that God has given us to participate in the death, burial, and resurrection uh, of Jesus. That Romans 6 says this way, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death, that we were therefore buried with him through baptism and and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may be raised. We too may live a new life. That to be clear this morning, baptism, it doesn't save you. Jesus does. That baptism, it doesn't forgive your sins. Jesus does. That baptism, it doesn't change you. Guys, Jesus does. That baptism is simply a symbol, a representation, allowing us to proclaim to everybody else around us, count me in. That what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross and by rising from the dead changes our lives. That guys, uh, in first century Western America, when we see water, oftentimes we associate water with things like recreation and hydration. 
But whenever the first century Jew would have seen water, they would have associated it, yes, with cleaning and cleansing, but also with death and destruction. Like whether that's from stories like Noah and the flood where, where all of humanity was wiped out or stories like Moses and the destruction of the Egyptian armies in the Red Sea, uh, water wasn't something that just cleaned you or cleansed you. It was something that killed. Th- that water going under the water, it was and is a clear symbol of death. Why? Because you can't breathe underwater. Like it, this makes sense, right? This was a clear picture of death. But not only Jesus' death on the cross for our sins, but also, guys, the deaths we experience when we choose to follow Jesus. You know, it's our death to sin. It is our death to selfishness. It is our death to loneliness and purposelessness. It is our death to addiction. Ultimately, when we are baptized and we go under the water, it symbolizes our death to an old way of living, a broken way of living. That when we go under the water, guys, symbolically, we get to die with Christ But just as Christ didn't stay dead, guys, neither do we. That just as Christ came out of the water, that while under that water lives death, guys, when we come out of that water, man, we get to experience new life. That just like a baby that has just been born, what's the first thing people do when they come out of the water? (gasps) Right? They take in a breath. And with that breath comes a new identity, a new family to belong to, a new place to belong to, a new purpose to live into. Ultimately, when we come out of that water, it is a new life. What a beautiful picture that God has allowed us to participate in, right? But in 2 Corinthians, Paul, he puts it this way. I love how he says it. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The old is dead. The old has been buried. It has been drowned in the waters of baptism. Anybody else thankful for that this morning? But the new, yeah, the new is here. The new is here that when we come out of the water, we are a new creation. That baptism, it is an act of obedience. It is done by immersion. It is for believers, but it is a beautiful symbol of going from death to life with Christ. And so this morning to close, there's just a couple groups of people I wanna talk to this morning. For some of you in this room, uh, you guys have followed Jesus for a very long time. That you put your faith in him a long time ago. You said, count me in. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. You said yes to Jesus and you've been living that out for a long time. But for whatever reason, either because you didn't know about it or you didn't think it was necessary or didn't know if it was important, for whatever reason, you haven't gotten baptized before. And it could be because you didn't think it was necessary. And if that's you, I I would remind you of the words of Jesus, that he, the son of God, the savior of the world, he went and got baptized. Why? Because he said it is necessary out of an act of obedience that maybe for some of you this morning that you need your own act of obedience. And maybe this morning you need to make the decision to get baptized for yourself. But then others of you in this room, uh, you were also believers, You you grew up knowing Jesus. You've known him your whole life. The grass is green, the sky is blue, and God is real, and Jesus is alive, right? Like those are things you know and you believe. That you had incredibly intentional parents in your life. That maybe you were sprinkled as a baby. Maybe you even went through uh, confirmation as you got older, and you confess that you believe in, in God, but you've never had that moment for yourself, that while that moment was an incredible moment for your parents and your family, you've never had that moment for yourself. For whatever reason, you've decided not to get baptized. That whether for you, it's because you don't wanna dishonor your parents, 
because you think it'll take away from the moment they already had. For some of you, um, you know, it's, it's a lack of knowing. It's a little bit of ignorance that you didn't know you were supposed to. For others of you, if we're being honest, for some of you, it's a little bit of pride. It's, I don't think I need to get baptized because I've already done that. And while that was an incredible moment for your parents, guys, that was not baptism. And maybe this morning you need to make that decision for yourself and get up in front of everybody and say, look, I have made this decision to follow Jesus. And I want to experience death and life with Christ through the waters of baptism. That maybe for you, you need to make that decision this morning. But then there's others in this room that you just showed up here today because you needed some help. You needed some hope that your life is not going the way that you want it to. That you haven't been following Jesus and there's no judgment there, but you haven't been following Jesus and you hear this story about a God in heaven that created each and every single one of us on purpose and for a purpose and he sent his son down to this earth to die in your place, to die for your sins and take your place on the cross. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, reminding us, letting us know that there is nothing too big for God to handle. And you look at your life and you've been doing it on your own for so long now and you think to yourself, is this story really too good to be true? That can God really put to death the things in my life that need to die? And I'm telling you, yes, he can. That this morning, maybe the best thing that you can do is put your faith and trust in Jesus. Make the best decision of your life. Make the decision I made some 20 years ago to follow Jesus and say, count me in that I wanna live a life like that, that I need to go into the waters of baptism and leave all my garbage behind. And guys, if that's the decision you need to make this morning, then we wanna give you an opportunity to do that. Guys, that baptism is an incredible thing that God has given us. It's an incredible gift, but it's also an incredible part of our walk with Jesus. That baptism, it's an act of obedience. It is by immersion, it is for believers, but it is a symbol of going from death to life with Christ. And so I'm gonna pray, and then I, we're gonna enter into a time of response, and maybe some of you that need to make that decision can this morning. So let's pray. God, thank you for baptism. And personally, Lord, I know that I didn't have a complete clue what I was doing some 20 years ago when I got baptized. That God, I'm grateful I don't have to have my life together to give it over to you. I don't have to have everything perfect to get baptized. That like God, you call us to put to, to put to death the things that need to die. And instead you raise us up to new life that we get to walk out of uh, the waters of baptism, a new creation. And so God, I am grateful for that moment in my life and the fact that I've been able to grow into that moment for me. But God, I know there are people in this room that have not put their faith in you. They've not put their trust in you. And God, they are struggling they are trying to do this life alone. And so God, I pray that they would just be able to hand that over to you. That this morning you would give people courage to make the decision that they need to, make the decision that they've been putting off. But God, we love you. And we're grateful for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.